Welcome to All of the Above, which is appropriately titled for this topic. <laughs> All of the Above. We are going nice. to we're gonna we're gonna venture into a little bit of a fringy speculative topic. So sometimes we speak about some things that are very serious and we want to think well and carefully about how the scriptures speak to these particular things. Other times Jim and I just decide to talk about, <laughs> talk about things that are uh, maybe interesting to a mm-hmm. few of us. So if you're listening to this, I'm assuming that the title Aliens probably cut your attention. Um, so I, I thought about asking an icebreaker question, but I feel like this is such a... No know. icebreaker is required. The, the whole episode is an icebreaker about, um, I don't know, just interesting thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Do aliens exist? And if they do, does that have any ramifications for our belief in Jesus? Now, again, just just want to say, we, we are very much in the realm of speculation here, and we're going to be kind of talking off the cuff. We're going to be helped by our good friend, Uncle Clive, <laughs> C.S. Lewis. A little R&R, actually. We're, we're going to have a little R&R. He wrote, a, he wrote an article called Religion and Rocketry. Oh. <laughs> um, and so to kind of help Christians think through the question of whether or not aliens exist. So you know, we're not speaking, you know, this is not the elders of, of Ridgewood Church yeah. kind of offering our official ruling on beings that could exist on other planets. We're just kind of thinking out loud. So um, as we as we kind of talk about this and as we explore some things, you know, give us some grace as we uh, as we kind of go to some weird places. Anything you'd add to that? Uh, no, I agree. Um, you know, this is um, a little bit for fun, a little bit for um, some encouragement, uh, I think, towards the end. Um, but um, but very much like a, a speculative thing. Um and uh, we just wanted to make that clear up front. Yeah. So why on earth are we recording a podcast on aliens, Jim? It's in the news. Um, mm. It's all over the place. And, um, you know, the more they uh, deny it, the the more it seems reported on. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I, I think I would only see it on uh, Weekly World News. Used to love to Look at the headlines as I checked out in the grocery store. Man, yeah. Um, but Bad boy, uh, boy was born... Yeah. A pumpkin or whatever. <laughs> That's one of I don't know how many times like they would show um, Devil Escapes from Hell, um, and it mm. was like um, smoke from smokestacks, smokestacks shaped in the form of a devil head. Mm. Um, anyways, but I saw that headline at least three times as a kid. Yeah. So. Um, but it's but now aliens have been promoted. They're they're in the New York Times. I mean, they're mm. it's it's being taken seriously. Um, so yeah, it seems like a good time to talk about that and, uh, kind of explore the topic, which the cynic in me, we were talking before we recorded <laughs> the cynic in me doesn't want to buy. Like, you know, I, I saw a meme that was like, uh, it was one of those that said no one. And then conspiracy theorists 50 years ago, aliens definitely exist. Mm-hmm. And then today, no one conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists today, aliens definitely don't exist <laughs> just because it's kind of like. I don't know what. What do you believe now? And golly, I'm so cynical now. I'm like, of course, it, I'm. I'm sure it has some kind of utilitarian value to right. to talk about the existence of a, a very calculated revelation that right. you know they have crafts of non-terrestrial origin. It makes me very, very, very skeptical. Yeah, I mean, if um, if it were real, I don't think we would hear a peep about it, um, mm-hmm. except maybe on some very obscure YouTube videos. Um, of some guy claiming to be a retired Air Force colonel that, you know, saw these things. But um, you talking about ne- Bob Lazar, I don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Pro- but um, but it sounds like you recognize the pattern. And uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 
Well, um, and then and then you could also, I mean, there's an obscure YouTube video talking about literally anything that you could think that's to very Google. true. Yeah, yeah. While why unicorns, um, were bred for a leg up and jousting in the Middle Ages. You could, could you send me that link, please? <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so uh, um, it's it's funny to think that the tinfoil hat position is that um, aliens are. Um, likely a, a psyop by the government um, to um, increase control over the population. Um, yeah. So, but it's in the news. Yeah. What well, we should have said that that there should have been maybe we should put that in the description. Tinfoil hat um, <laughs> required to listen to this. Episode. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, the the existence of aliens is a topic of conversation. I've had it, you know, maybe somewhat tongue in cheek with people in the body mm-hmm. who've just asked, you know, what do you think, and. Oftentimes, it's portrayed as this um, unconquerable challenge to mm. the Christian faith that mm-hmm. that if aliens were to were to be demonstrated to be a thing, life on intelligent life on other planets, that it would therefore nullify the Christian faith. Yeah, um, I I remember when I was in college, um, we went to see a movie whose name escapes me, but it was um, about aliens, and they were like secretly, you know, working on the Earth and. Um, stole Julianne Moore's um, son or daughter, um, and she was working to uncover them and, and try to get her child back. And, um, you know, I was riding home from that, talking to um, a person who was a believer, but, you know, I, you know, I kind of got the sense that he was kind of a nominal believer. And um, somehow the conversation turned to, what would this mean for the Christian faith? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I would say nothing. Like, I mean, that, you know, it would... Um, that if if there are aliens in the universe, they are created by um, the Lord God Almighty, mm. and um, if you know, and the person I was writing with was a little—he was a little taken aback. He thought it would be kind of a knockdown and say like, "Okay, we're in a um, you know a material universe, you know, where there is no God." Mm. Yeah, it seems like the the way that this is received from Christians is either this would be this would be a defeater belief, this would nullify the content of the Christian faith, or the only other possible explanation is that it's demons. Mm-hmm. That it's demons accommodating masquerading Yeah, is... yeah. Masquerading, accommodating to our scientifically uh, science fiction informed culture, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, appropriating that imagery or whatever in order to distract the population from the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It seems like those are the two only two options in, in a lot of people's minds. And, right. And again, going into the realm of speculation, Lewis, and I think you and I would agree, think that there could be more options than that. There could yeah. be there could be more to the story than that. Mm-hmm. Um, he opens up the this little essay called Religion and Rocketry. It's in a book called The World's Last Night and Other Essays. He opens it up by, <clears throat> excuse me, by saying that uh, kind of interestingly, the notion that there isn't intelligent life on other planets <laughs> is evidence or is used as evidence that the Christian faith can't be for real, that mm. God can't exist because we're alone. He says we're alone in an infinite desert, which just showed the absurdity of the Christian idea that there was a creator who was interested in living creatures. Mm. So if there's no intelligent life, there's some who would say no intelligent life on other planets. That just shows how absurd it is that you think that God pays attention to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this tiny speck on a tiny speck within a tiny speck within a tiny speck right. in the cosmos. And then he says, but the exact opposite case is often made, that 
that if um, intelligent life exists on other planets, he, he says, let, let me just read this quote. Um, um, he says, everyone that I met seemed to have decided that the universe was probably quite well provided with inhabitable globes and with livestock to inhabit them, with, which just showed equally well the absurdity of Christianity with its parochial, parochial idea <laughs> that man could be important to God. Mm, yeah, I, no, very few people um, are as good as Lewis at um, sort of recognizing fallen man's um, imaginative capacity to um, deny the existence of God or yeah. wow. um, or sometimes somehow like domesticate or tame um, the actual God of the Bible. Mm. So um, whichever way the evidence points, um, it's support for the idea that um, there is no God or That's he's right. a God that um, we can control. That's right. And so he, he goes on to say, uh, let, let's take seriously for a second that aliens exist, or, or, or let's take... Um, seriously for a second, the question of the existence of aliens, what sorts of information would we need to know about them in order to, in order to make a determinative conclusion about whether or not it Mm -hmm. has any effect on the Christian faith? Um, And the first question that he poses is simply, are there animals every, uh, I can't speak this morning. No, I understand. Um, We're recording this very early in the morning, which I, you know, I don't know why we decided to do that. Trevor did that to accommodate my work schedule and I'm very grateful. Um, so the first question he says is, uh, are there animals anywhere except on earth? Mm-hmm. We do not know. We do not know whether we shall know. But that's the first question that we need to ask. Okay. Are there animals, beings, creatures, whatever else on other planets? Which, since he's written this, has kind of been answered for us. Um, if we use animals very broadly, because we've discovered the existence of bacteria on other planets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. Yeah, I... Um... And I, I mean, and sometimes like think analogously, I mean, to um, just, I mean, creatures that can be found like in the depths of the ocean or in like the remote places on the face of the earth and say that those creatures have been um, alive, like in, you know, many generations have come and gone um, over the, over several thousand years without man ever knowing about them, but with God delighting in their existence. Mm. Um, and so mm. um, creatures that, um, you know, we, we have not seen, I mean, there's no reason to think that, um, that there are, are places where we may never lay eyes. Um, but God is still pleased to, um, bring to life, um, you know, through his creative power. What's the, uh, what's the tiny sea creature? It's called, it's called the something bear. Oh, I know. Like water bear, water um, bear, yeah. tardigrade, tardi, tardigrade, man. My kids, when they were little, watched the show The Octonauts. Are you familiar mm, with The Octonauts? Yeah, love The Octonauts. That's a great show. They had an episode where they met a tiny little water bear, and they were talking about how it has the unique ability to survive extreme temperatures mm-hmm. and extreme like water pressure, and, and so it exists in like the depths of the ocean and that's like the mouth of volcanoes. We we didn't know about the existence of the water bear until presumably relatively recent, you know. Um, but I think about Psalm 104, which says that God created the ocean so that the dolphins could play in it. Mm-hmm. And that image is just so beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and you could extend that and say, God created the oceans at the mouth of volcanoes so that water bears could play there, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's just a sign of his generosity and his profligate grace that he creates worlds within worlds within right. worlds where these creatures live and move and have their being. Yeah, And absolutely. I love it. And I love it. And I, I would hate to foreclose the possibility of that, that being the case. You know, Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I have 
it's a speculation, but have no problem believing that, I mean, life um, could exist elsewhere in the cosmos. Mm. Okay, so that's question number one. Question number two says, supposing there were animals or, you know, life on other planets, have any of these animals what we call rational souls? Um, again, yeah, I mean, like, and uh, I have no problem imagining that. And in, in some ways, um, I mean, I think like angelic and demonic beings, um, you know, are strong examples. I don't know if I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but strong examples of intelligent non-human life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that God has made, um, other, other intelligences and whatever your measure of that is like just kind of able to. Um, you know, use language or, you know, kind of aware self-awareness, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it seems that there are angels and demons and many types of angels. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, some of the representations are, are probably symbolic. Um, but I, I can think of at least cherubim and seraphim are two distinct um, categories. Yeah. Um, and if those represented the um, inhabitants of, you know, t- two different worlds, like at some point who, um, you know, operate in a spiritual plane, um, then, you know, the, so then that, that would suggest to me that, yeah, intelligence is not unique, um, uh, in creation to humanity. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording that in some ways, Lewis operated within a different world. Uh, mm-hmm. I read a book recently called The Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis, and it talked about how Lewis kind of saw himself as a as a as someone who who um, lived within a medieval cosmos. So, so we have a very sharp divide between the supernatural and the natural, right? And uh, that the natural is is what we would call real, and supernatural is you know the stuff of fantasy and fairies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's exactly flipped. Uh, for people, you know, with with this medieval cosmos, sure, like Lewis, and I think it should be for people who are believers. Mm-hmm. Um, we recognize the supernatural as the real, and the the physical, material world as a as as having been birthed out of the supernatural world, and that the the distance between the two isn't so great as we imagine. Right, and uh, those beings who I like how you said it um, earlier; those beings seem to have the ability to kind of travel between the two in a way mm-hmm. that uh, like God permits and God allows them to be revealed and even manifested in the material world. Yeah. Um, you know, I just wonder, you know, the scriptures talk about the heavenly host and talk about God having, you know, the, the host of angel armies and we have no idea how many they are and we have no idea uh, how many gradations of being there are, like are cherubim right. and seraphim the only two categories, or are there an infinite number of categories and types of angels mm-hmm. of sizes and shapes and colors and, and whatever else, or I say colors, but that's a three-dimensional way of thinking, you know, are there, right. are there, yeah, I think of the, I think of uh, Ransom's experience at the beginning of Paralandra with mm-hmm. an angel, which is just beautifully described and... I think um, of um, Balaam's um, and his donkey, um, an angel along the path. Um, yeah. Where, and th- you know, the, that story um, has always been bonkers to me. Um, but um, angel's present, the donkey sees it, um, Balaam does not, and, you know, the donkey reacts to the angel um, and, and, you know, to Balaam's frustration um, and ultimately beating the donkey and, but then ultimately Balaam's eyes are open and he sees it. So the angel was there. Um, 
but you know, not not visible, like you know, not um, interacting with electromagnetic radiation um, mm. or you know, light waves, um, you know, so as to to be visible. Um, but mm. you have to have like added like perceptual filters in order to to perceive him, and um, and we. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, like we the sharp distinctions we make between um, the natural world and the supernatural world. Um, may, yeah, maybe um, I, I'm I'm struggling to find the words like spiritualize like those stories hmm. to the point that we're not like considering like you know what you know what sort of um, mechanics operate. Um, hmm in those realms in, in order for those realms to interact with, you know, what we think of the natural, think of as the natural world. Yeah. Um, again, speculation, but um, I do think there are laws of physics in the supernatural um, heavenly places where angels and demons um, operate. There may be different laws or additional laws or, you know, less laws, but, um, but, but it has its own mechanics and, and those mechanics allow for, an interaction with the cosmos that we inhabit. Man, I love that. <laughs> this is why we have Jim on the podcast to talk about <laughs> the existence of aliens. Yeah, you get to make up crazy um, stuff to, yeah, anyways. but um, Well, yeah, so the, the question is, okay, let's say they exist. Do they then have rational souls? Are, are they, um, maybe another way of saying this is, do they bear the image of God in the same way that we do? Do they have the same kind of... Um, not just intelligence, but soul. Yeah, yeah, I guess is the only way I can think to say it. There's very a, possibly. Um, we know that there are beings in the in the cosmos who who are intelligent, who don't seem to have they, they don't bear the image of God in the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Angels, for instance, and so it's very possible that a, that uh, aliens or extraterrestrials could be some kind of I don't know iteration of that, mm-hmm. um, some kind of creature who has intelligence, who has developed uh, the ability to travel, you know, great distances, uh, to, to come visit us here on Earth, but may not possess a soul in the same way that we do. Which is kind of, part, part of what's tricky about that is, it seems like the, the Imago Dei technological advance and, you know, the development of, um, like, taking the material world and developing tools and mm-hmm. traveling great distances that seems to be bound up in the image of God. So that, that is a bit of a question for me. Like if there does seem to be a link between at least on some level intelligence and the image of God, though, I guess presumably aliens, uh, excuse me, angels and demons possess that same intelligence, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would tend to think that it would imply, um, I mean, we were talking about like an immortal soul, um, something that will, yeah. Um, exists either, um, you know, with God or um, under God's wrath um, for all of eternity. Um, that is my guess. I mean, um, unlike, you know, what I think about animals, that that they will not continue to exist in the same way. But Yeah. Hmm. Lewis says we teach our dogs, our sons to read, but we don't teach our dogs to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of, kind of that idea. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some people do. Um. Some people do teach their dogs to read? They try, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Carry them around in purses and all. I think of Psalm 8, which says, you've created man a little lower than the heavenly beings. And it's like, what's the what's the distance between yeah. the heavenly beings and humanity and, and what beings might exist in that space? Anyway. So the, sec- the, the first question is, do they exist? The second is, do they have rational souls? 
And then the third question, and this is really interesting. He says, if there are species and rational species rather than man, are any or all of them like us fallen? This is the point non-Christians always seem to forget. Right. Well, I mean, you know, taking the, I mean, the, the demons as intelligent non-humans, um, the answer would be obviously yes. And, you know, the, where the speculation comes in is, is whether, whether they ever had a existence in the natural world um, or if they have, you know, always inhabited the, the spiritual world. Um, and so again, speculating, it seems like very possible. I mean, that, um, other species could, you know, suffer temptation or, and, um, you know, succumb to that temptation. Um, we know that it happened to us and if, Mm. if there are other intelligent image bearers, um, it could happen to them. Mm. He's, man. He's pretty negative on uh, what would happen if humanity encountered another creature, like a rational creature like us that isn't fallen. He's pretty, um, mm-hmm. he's pretty negative on uh, what the human reaction. It, to yeah, it essentially, says we would mock them, um, mm. that we would mock their innocence. Yeah, we would mock their innocence and their naivete, and um, and might even like kind of overcome them for mm. a moment. Um, but also seems to believe that in the end, that you know, if there were conflicts between like a, a fallen and an unfallen, um, you know, intelligent races, that the unfallen would um, triumph in the end. Mm. Um, so, um, not something, yeah, I you know ever considered before. But I mean, he he also exemplifies it in Out of the Silent Planet. Yeah. I mean, where um, it seems like wicked humans are coming to exploit. Uh, the inhabitants of Mars. Um, but in the end, like the Martians see through them um, and are, are unfazed by, um, you know, their attempts to um, exploit them and conquer them. Yeah. And just, just for reference, he wrote a, a space trilogy uh, uh, um, where he kind of explores some of these ideas in fiction form, which is what he likes to do. And the, out of the silent planet, Paralandra and that hideous strength and the, the, the story there is that each planet has its own intelligent races. Uh, each planet within our solar system has its own intelligent races, and our planet is the only fallen planet. Mm. And uh, once we discover interplanetary travel, we end up getting, we, we end up essentially spreading our fallen infection to these other planets, or attempting to do so, spreading mm-hmm. our fallen infection to other planets. Uh, he actually says in this, this little essay that he wonders out loud whether or not the distance between the planets is God's grace to those other planets mm. because it's a quarantine on right. the human race spreading the human infection. Yeah, that's fallenness. a very interesting idea. So he says, okay, if they exist, are they rational? Do we even know if they're fallen? And then he says, this is his fourth consideration, if all of them, and surely all is a long shot, or any of them have fallen, have they been denied redemption by the incarnation and passion of Christ? Um, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I, again, like I, I think... Um, we have sort of a, a democratic, um, egalitarian um, ideal that um, all should be offered salvation. Um, um, but I, I mean, I, I wonder about the verse um, in, I pulled it up earlier, but I think it's First Peter, um, where, yeah, it's First Peter 1.12. Um, 
and this is from the ASV because that, that was what was pulled up. It says, To whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto you, did they minister these things, which now have been announced unto you through them that preach the gospel unto you by the Holy Spirit sent forth from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. Mm. Um, and some, you know, I, I've heard that interpreted read in, you know, in some ways, like that it, it's fallen angels hmm. Um, hmm. that would long for um, a means of redemption um, in order to um, restore them um, to right relationship with God um, and help them to escape his just wrath. Um, and, and almost suggesting that the redemption is offered to humanity. It is not offered to angels. Demons. Fallen angels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And which would which fits with I mean, when God talks about the redemption of Israel, He says like I've chosen you, right? You, you are my chosen nation, and He's mm-hmm. like I didn't choose you because you were especially good looking or helpful or had a lot to offer. I chose you precisely because you were none of those things because mm-hmm. my glory is shown in my choosing and using of you. And so yeah, I mean there is a precedent for that. I mean what right. if that's what if that's what if that manifests itself in you know God choosing to redeem humanity, but He doesn't choose to redeem. Martians, right? Um, that's interesting, um, and it's you know it's it's weighty, um, but I mean we you know we know that um, not all are saved, um, and and this is I don't I don't know if I can't think of like a place where this is spelled out um, in God's word, but like one kind of inferential statement I've heard I mean like is um, is for you know pastors theologians to say like. At the fall, um, at Genesis three, God would have been perfectly justified saying, "Like that's it, yeah, you're destroyed." Yeah, um, and mm. um, and I, I think that's a true inference. I mean, yeah. that the um, the just fate of the human race is um, um, destruct- destruction and God's wrath, um, but um, in His mercy, He's um, provided redemption for um, for sinners amongst humans. Yeah, that's good. And then this comes to the final question. Um, if they're rational, if they are fallen, if they, um, if they have been denied redemption by the incarnation and passion of Jesus, the fifth question is, and this is the one I'm most squeamish about. Mm-hmm. He says, if we knew, which we don't, the answers to one, two, and three, and further, if we knew that redemption by an incarnation and passion had been denied by creatures in need of it, is it certain that this is the only mode of redemption that is possible? Yeah, that is a... Um, a squeamish question, and I, I don't have a reference for it. I mean, but I mean, Paul speaks to um, if salvation were possible through other means, then Christ died for nothing. Right? Um, is that Galatians? That's Romans. That's Romans. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm fairly certain, certain that's Romans. Um, it's right. It's in the Romans nine, ten, and eleven section. Okay. Or no, no, I'm thinking of. Um, well, anyways, yeah. y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Somewhere it is written, like the author of Hebrews would say. Yeah, the next episode, Trevor and I will do Bible sword drills to um, find references for um, <laughs> Perfect. You know, random passages. But um, so he he asked the question, but I I think he um, I think he also answers in the negative. Um, he says uh, that. Do you have the passage up? Because. Um, which one are you looking for? Um, I mean, the one... Okay, the this was, I think, on page 32. It may be that the further we were permitted to see into his counsels, the more clearly we should understand that thus, and not otherwise, 
by the birth at Bethlehem, the cross on Calvary, and the empty tomb, a fallen race could be rescued. So mm. that 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 um, that the gospel is the only means for redemption. Um, is the, so he kind of he kind of toes and says, you know, could there be more? And then he seems to kind of backpedal a little bit and say, no, yeah. And there's maybe there's some things not. we don't understand about the scope of redemption that's available in Jesus that mm-hmm. it applies even to fallen alien races. And I, I love in this article how he takes the opportunity to um, celebrate the gospel, um, yeah. like in a couple places, mm. uh, um, highlight the gospel and rejoice in it um, and, and worship because of it. I just saw this line. This is getting back to what would happen if we encountered an unfallen race. He says, we know what our race does to strangers. Man destroys or enslaves every species he can. Civilized man murders, enslaves, cheats, and corrupts savage man. Even inanimate nature, he turns into dust bowls and slag heaps. Mm. There are individuals who don't, but they are not the sort who are likely to be our pioneers in space. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, yeah. So he, he this is yeah, kind of evidence of his very cynical view of human nature and what we would do to unfallen creatures. Right. Um, but he kind of he, he kind of lands the plane here. He he. This is. This is the way that he, I think, wants us to walk away from this issue. He says, if I remember rightly, St. August, Augustine raised a question about the theological position of satyrs, monopods, monopods, and other semi-human creatures. <laughs> he decided it could wait till we, till we knew there were any. Soak in this. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, I think of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, worry about today, not tomorrow. Don't bar- right. borrow troubles from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So in some ways... Don't borrow troubles from tomorrow. Right. You know, we we don't need to make more of this than than what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what he demonstrates in this essay is that there's a lot of questions that would need to be answered before we can conclusively determine, yeah, you know, a- aliens invalidate the faith. And and more than that, I think he demonstrates even in the first couple of paragraphs that the human tendency is to want to find ways to invalidate the Christian right, faith right. and and. Uh, you know, we're, we're eager eager to seek those out. And so don't listen to the voices and the podcasts and the people who say this discovery means Christianity can't be true. Absolutely. Um, because we're really creative at finding those things, you know. Um, and I would also say, I mean, we're coming up on Easter, and what Paul tells us is if Christ is resurrected, man, then this is for real. Right. And, uh, you know, short of discovering Jesus's body, you know, in the tomb in Jerusalem, you know, I, th- I think we're in the clear. Yeah, here, you know. Amen. Um, anything else you would add to this? Um, he C.S. Lewis agrees with you. I can only. Um, he said, you know, what if? But supposing you say all these embarrassing suppositions turn out to be true, I can only record a conviction that they won't. A conviction which has, for me, uh, been in the course of years irresistible. Christians and their opponents, again and again, expect that some new discovery will either turn matters of faith into matters of knowledge or else reduce them to the patent absurdities. But it has never happened. What we believe always remains intellectually possible, never becomes intellectually compulsive. I have an idea that when this ceases to be so, the world will be ended. We have been warned that all but conclusive evidence against Christianity, evidence that would deceive, if it were possible, the very elect will appear with Antichrist. And after that, there will be wholly conclusive evidence on the other side. Um, and here he means the the side of the Christian faith, but not I fancy till then on the other side. It's an awkward sentence, but um, the point that he's making um, is that um, evidence, and here are the air quotes that I'm putting around that, um, will arise um, saying that we live in a materialistic, um, non spiritual universe. 
um, don't fall for it. Um, it will be very convincing, but in the end, um, even more convincing will be the return of Jesus Christ um, to resolve um, all evils and um, prove very definitively um, so that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that um, he is Lord um, to the glory of God the Father. Uh, that's um, that. That's what I, I thought when I saw that movie all those years ago and, and, and still think today. Man, that's excellent. No better word to end than that. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope we haven't completely put you off of... <laughs> uh, the <know>. podcast or <laughs> friendship with us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So hopefully you hear our heart in this and uh, hopefully this was fun to listen to. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for carving out some time. My pleasure. Morning. Always enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.